We've been dealing for some weeks now in the revelation of Jesus Christ, Christ revealed in his church, and the church being his body, who Paul says is the fullness of him that fills all in all. So as we consider that, just think on that, the fullness that fills is him. So we're looking at him revealed in the church. And Matthew 16, John 14, I've said our foundational scriptures to this study. In John 14, if you have seen me, you have seen my father also. And Matthew 16, Peter declaring, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus saying to him, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father, which is in heaven. This is the revelation of the Spirit of God, of Christ, in the church. And upon this rock, which we know he's the rock, we know that by the Scripture, upon this foundation, I will build my church, and we are built in the knowledge and comprehension of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how we're built. We're built up to be the expression of him in the earth. Glory to God. Because we're his body. Amen? Well, at the end of last week, we ended in Hebrews 10. And today, we're going to start there. Last week, we were dealing with Christ in you, the hope of glory. We were dealing with the Apostle Paul saying every man, he want, his heart was to present every man complete in Christ. And he was showing Christ in you is the expectation of God's glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, Christ revealed in you is how you see the glory of God. You can't see it any other way because Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. If you haven't heard last week's recording, I highly recommend you go to go to my Facebook page and listen to it. Highly recommend it. I'm also planning to put these on YouTube, and eventually they will be a part of the podcast, Life in Christ Jesus dot podbean.com so eventually they will go there anyway in this study last week we ended in ephesians 1 and hebrews 10 and we're going to start in hebrews 10 in hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 it says the law for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscious of sins. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year, for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, 
but a body hast thou prepared me. Now we're going to deal with his coming into the world. That's what we're going to deal with. In this sharing is his coming into the world. So I want to point that out. We may deal with it another, we'll see, but at least we're going to deal with it right here. But a body has you has hast thou prepared me and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou had no pleasure, then said I lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifices, offering and offerings, and offering for sin that thou wouldest not, neither have pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So here in Hebrews 10, he comes, the writer says, into the world. He comes into the world. So this is a coming of the Lord, we could say. Well, it absolutely is a coming of the Lord. He comes into the world. He makes himself known into the world. And what's the purpose of his coming into the world? Okay. Well, we could say it was to die for our sins, and that's true. I believe that. He died for our sins. We could say to bring us unto God, and that's true. There's much we could say that is true, but I want to point out that he was the answer to the old covenant. The old covenant had to be fulfilled in order that the new could spring forth. So Jesus is the answer of the old covenant. So he had to come. In the volume of the book, it was written of him. So when I look at verse 1, the law being a shadow, what's a shadow? What's a shadow? If I see a shadow of a building, you if we have a, had a building in front of us and we saw a shadow, and actually there are some shadows, I guess, behind me, but if I had a shadow of a building and it was raining outside and I went into the shadow, would I <laughs> be wet? Of course I would. Or if it was blazing hot outside and I went into the shadow, would I get cool? Or if it was severely cold, would I get warm? No. A shadow doesn't have the substance. It's just a shadow. And the writer here says the law was a shadow. And the sacrifices offered can never make those that come to it perfect. So Jesus had to come. In the volume of the book, it was written of him. And he, by one offering, brought perfection, completion, to pass. We are made complete in him through his one offering. Glory to God. 
we like to say we're not perfect. And in and of ourselves, that's true. But through him, we are made perfect. See, and what we're abiding in as Christians is him and what he's done. That's what the new covenant is about, is Christ and what he's done and how that's revealed in my heart. I could read Hebrews 10 that he takes away the first and he establishes the second. I could read that we're sanctified through the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I can read that. I can even say I believe that. Okay? And I do. I believe that. But until it's made real in me by the Spirit of God, I could also say I'm not living in it or participating in it. It must be made real in me by the Spirit of God. And how it's made real in me is through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He had to come in the volume of the book because it was written of him. If he didn't come, the old covenant would still be in force. It would still be here. Because he was the summation of the old covenant. He was the fulfillment of the old covenant. That's what had to happen. And when he come and fulfilled the old covenant, he came again in us to establish the second. His Christ in you is to establish the second. That that's in him. Glory to God. That that's in him. That's the second. We could say that that's in the law was the first. That that's in Christ is the second. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the fullness of the second. So we could say he establishes the second. Now, how does he do that? He's in us. He's in us. We receive him. As believers in the Lord, we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our salvation that we receive him. We don't just read about him in a book. We receive him. The person that came in the first also comes in the second. And we receive him in our hearts. And he makes real in us the second. The second, hallelujah, that we're sanctified, we're set apart to God by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. That's made real. It's not just to be words on the page, but it's made real in his revealing. And if we read on down in Hebrews 10, it says in verse 18, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So he offered himself once for sin. He remitted our sin. He took it away. And it says, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated 
for us through the veil, that is to say through his flesh. So we enter in a new, into a new and living way. Glory to God, which is in Christ. Which is in Christ. Which has substance. It's not a, it's not an image of something coming. It is what has come. Of his fullness we've received in grace for grace. The church is his body, the fullness of him. That feels all in all. Well, in his coming in the first, wants to look at that. Matthew 3. Matthew 3, verse 11. John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I love this. Just this right here. John baptizes in water into repentance, and one's coming mightier than him that shall baptize in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then come of Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him, but John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting up on him. And lo, a voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, I want you to really see something here. Here, Christ was revealed to Israel. Okay? He was already in Israel. <laughs> he was born a babe in a manger. You know the story of the babe in the manger. You know the story of the shepherds. You know the story of the wise men. But here at John's baptism, Christ is revealed. The Spirit of God descends as a dove upon him. John sees the Spirit, and a voice declares him. Now, if I hear this and see this, this is the same thing that happened to Peter, but it's personal to Peter. The voice declared Christ to Peter. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here, the voice says, this is my beloved son to John. <laughs> He's declared to Israel. Now, look at this in John's gospel, John 1, verse 29. The Bible says here, the next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. 
And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. Now, I want this to stick out to you. John's saying, the reason I came baptizing with water was that Christ would be made manifest to Israel. And John bear records saying, I saw the Spirit descended from heaven like a dove, and it, bowed up, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. So John was there till Christ came. <laughs> There's a lot to consider here. Just a thought. Samuel anointed Saul. Samuel anointed David, king of Israel. Here John is in the Jordan baptizing, and Jesus comes to him, and Jesus is anointed with the Holy Ghost and fire right before John's eyes. And there's a declaration, this is my son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so this goes right on in the midst of Israel. You know, Israel had come out to John. Even, even you, you know, if you've read, when we've read the Bible, we know that John even spoke to Pharisees and Sadducees, called them generation of vipers. So John wasn't hidden over in a corner. So Jesus comes down to him. And John sees the heaven open, the spirit descending like a dove, and declares of Christ that this one will baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, I wrote a scripture down here, or typed, copied a scripture, Acts 10.43 to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believeth on him shall receive the remission of sins. And what I was considering strong in my heart, to him give all the prophets witness. He comes in the first. The first covenant's declaring Christ. The fulfillment of it had to come. Christ had to come. It could never be fulfilled till he came. When he come, died, was buried, and rose from the dead, it was fulfilled. It was fulfilled. Now, but he was made manifest in his coming to Israel. He wasn't hid in a corner. Luke's gospel, Luke 4, says... Verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, 
and he taught in their synagogue, being glorified of all. So see, there was a fame of Christ in the land. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now we see this at John's baptism. This is he that the prophet declared. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He have sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. The book was fulfilled. His book was finished. Lo, he come in the volume of the book. He closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And all and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words, I'm the fulfillment of it. See, he came and was manifestly declared in Israel. The deaf heard, the lame walked, the blind saw, the leper was cleansed, the dead were raised up, devils came out, people were put in the right mind. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. The kingdom of God was declared. A new day was set forth among Israel. A day of life, a day of victory, a day of truth. And it was set forth in the person. See, Jesus just didn't come and teach them a good teaching. That's what a lot of people think. No, he came and manifested himself to them in the first, in the first. Now, if he did it in the first, shouldn't it be that he would do the same thing in the second? Of course. Of course it should be. Yes, in Matthew 11, it says, verse 1, one more scripture on this, and we're going to roll down to John 4. Matthew 11, verse 1 says, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are clean, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Yes, 
He's saying, I'm the one. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm the one the prophets declared is what Jesus is saying right here to John. Hallelujah. Manifestly declared in Israel. Manifestly declared by the spirit of life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now in John 4, there came a woman of Samaria, verse 7, to draw water, and she come to Jacob's well. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which I am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered, said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence then hast thou this living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? I really want you to hear this. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, but Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered, said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now get a hold of this. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Jesus sat down on Jacob's well. <laughs> just, just like he sat down when he read, wrote or read the book in their midst, he sat down on Jacob's well. You could say he closed the well. I know he didn't literally close it, but he fulfilled it. No longer, no longer was being the lineage of Jacob going to be enough. She, she confronted Jesus with being the lineage of Jacob. I don't know if you ever got a hold of this, but here the Samaritan woman declared Jacob was her father. Well, Jacob was the father of Israel. In fact, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So this Samaritan woman evidently believed herself to be an Israelite. Now, just think on that. I know how many times people talk about the Samaritans, Jesus going to the Gentile, but and maybe there's a partial truth in this, but I want to you to consider this, that the kingdom of Israel divided in Solomon's time and after and became two kingdoms. You had the kingdom of the Jews and you had the kingdom of Israel, kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. And that went on throughout their history. You can read about it. 
So here Jesus goes into Samaria because the Israelites went into Samaria, was part of, I believe, the northern kingdom. You can search it out and see. I believe at one time their capital became Samaria. Of course, they were carried away by the Assyrians. And I've heard people say that the Samaritans were a mixture of the Israelites and Gentiles, and that may be absolutely true, and I'm okay with that. But she called Jacob her father, and she asked him, are you greater than her father Jacob? And Jesus told her that he had water that springs on to everlasting life. The lineage of Jacob never sprung on to everlasting life. Now, a lot of Christians are hung up with the natural Israelites. They're hung up there. But I'm telling you, a greater than the natural Israelite came when Christ came. Now, he came of the lineage of the Jews. According to the flesh, he was a Jew, but according to the Spirit, he is the Son of God. So he told Nicodemus, you must be born again, born of water and spirit, to enter into the kingdom of God. You being a Jew isn't going to give you access, Nicodemus. You must be born from above. So, so here this woman is offered living water. And only one has the power to give living water. All the water of Abraham, all the wells of Abraham, Isaac or Jacob, couldn't give living water. The lineage of them couldn't give living, living water. The only part of the lineage of them that could was Christ himself because he came from them according to the flesh. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, Jesus fulfills also right here Isaiah 12. Isaiah 12, Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 12, says, verse 1, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comforts me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and be not afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He is become my salvation. Jesus shall save his people from their sins. Jehovah, salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he hath become my salvation and my song. Therefore, with joy shall I draw water out of the wells of salvation this well of water springing up to everlasting life is the Spirit of God that John said Christ will baptize us with. He will fill us with the Spirit, baptize us into the Spirit. Glory to the Lamb of the living God. What a water we have. I, I just a, a note here, Jesus is the fulfillment of Jehovah has become my salvation. We drink of him by the spirit of the living God. You cannot separate Christ in his spirit. He has the sevenfold spirit or the seven spirits of God is in the book of Revelation. And the sevenfold spirit of God is in him. You can't separate it. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. 
of his fullness have we received. We, we're drinking, as we're receiving of him, we're drinking into the spirit of life because it's in Christ. My Lord, no other life is there but his life. And he came that we might have life, his life flowing within us. Glory to God. So he takes away the first that he may establish the second. And that's exactly what he did even here with at Jacob's well. Are you greater than our father Jacob? See, see again, I'm going to repeat, being a Jew or an Israelite doesn't bring you into the kingdom of God. You must be born of God's spirit. Jesus fulfilled what it meant to be a Jew. He came unto his own, and his own received him not, John wrote. He came of the lineage of David. He came of the lineage of Abraham. He came a Jew according to the flesh. And the Bible says he took both Jew and Gentile in his death and crucified them both. That what come forth in him is not Jew and Gentile, but a new creation of spirit and life. That's what come out of him. That's what came out of him. That's what we are. We're a new creation of spirit and life. If you want to find the true Israel of God, you come to Christ, you see him as its fulfillment. Israel is my son and my even my firstborn, as declared by Moses, the, the firstborn son of God, the true firstborn son of God from the dead is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is what Israel spoke of, God's chosen people. God's church. Here's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You are accepted in the beloved. Here's God's choosing. It's in Christ. Israel was a representative of that until he come. Until he come. Now that he has come, now that he was manifest, even in the flesh, it was fulfilled. He brought it into death. He brought it in, into burial. And he came forth in resurrection to bring a new creature, a new creation, a new man. My God. And that's what needs to be ministered to you, whether you're an Israelite in the flesh or a Gentile in the flesh. It doesn't matter because we both have access unto God by one spirit. Not by being a Jew in the flesh, but by spirit. See, now in this same chapter, John 4, John 4, same chapter, still dealing with the woman at the well. The woman saith unto him, verse 19, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. 
Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is come when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We worship what we know what we worship for salvations of the Jews. Well, if I, if, again, if I read my Bible and you look at the northern kingdom of Israel, false gods were set up because they didn't want them to go back down to Jerusalem, afraid they'd lose them. Set up by one of the kings and, and then carried on by other kings of Israel. So the true God was of Jerusalem. Jesus was of Judah. Our Lord sprang out of Judah. I absolutely believe that with all my heart. Salvation is of the Jews. Christ came of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he said, now the hour has come when neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. Verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that when Messiah, Messiah comes, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I am he. See, the hour had come and now is. Why had it now come? The same reason like Jesus said in Luke, today the word is fulfilled in your ears. He had come. He taketh away the first. See, you're not going back to Jerusalem to worship God in those old sacrifices. Sacrifices and offering thou wouldest not, but a body had you prepared me. So you worship God through the offering of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You comprehend him, and you worship God out of that offering. My Lord and my God. What a salvation we have. So we're not establishing again the old. We're establishing the new in the Lord Jesus Christ. He taketh away the first. He establishes the second. The offering that he gave himself was able to sanctify us, set us apart to God. That needs to be declared to some people. They need to hear that. His offering set us apart, took us out of the old creation, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, and his resurrection brought us forth in the new. We come to the new. Now, he says in John 5, now is the time. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Again, the now was him. I want us to hear this. The now that had come was him that was standing there. I've come that the dead will hear the voice, hear my voice, and they that hear shall live. Now, I want to say something to you. 
2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. The Bible says, but if the ministration of death, verse 7, written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious or exceed in glory? Notice what Paul writes, the ministration of death. Now, just consider this. Now is the time that the dead, see, none of those in the first covenant could come to life. We didn't come to life in the first covenant by the keeping of the law. <laughs> no, no, no. We come to life through the hearing of the voice of the Son of God calling us out of death. Now, this first covenant was a ministration of death. Now, what all does that mean? It administered death. Didn't administer life. Spoke of life. Was a shadow of life. But see, they couldn't enter into life. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man can come into the Father but by me. They couldn't enter into the Holy of Holies, the divine life of God. They could just come there and have the offering that can never remove sin and the offering that could never take them into the Holy of Holies. The high priest could never take them into, but our high priest did. We have an administration of the Spirit the words that I speak to you, Jesus said, are spirit and life. We have life. We have an administration of life. We've come out of death. Jesus says this, that, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. See, see, death, as great as that old covenant was, it was an administration of death, written and engraven in stones. But it couldn't bring you to life. Jesus said, he that hears my voice shall has passed from condemnation, has passed from that that's in the old, and has come to that which is in the new, which is life. And if I hear his voice, if I begin to hear and see what he's done, condemnation no longer has a hold on me. Why? Because of what he's done. Because I've been joined to the Lord by one spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I've been made to drink into one life. That life is Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's what he's established. The second we're in life, he established that is in his coming in you, in his appearing in you by the Spirit of the living God. He is manifest in us by the Spirit of the living God. This this becomes real. It, it's not just 
words on the page that we're not in an administration of death, but we're in an administration of the Spirit. It becomes real through the revealing of Christ in me. It's manifest. What, what I mean is not living in condemnation. It's manifest. Now, Christians quote that all the time. There's no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But he manifestly, just like he manifested himself in Israel, he manifestly declares that in you and I. Because that's the work he's done. He's made us his very own body. He takes away that he may establish, that we are established as his very own body for the expression of him in the earth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. Well, I guess we should get ready to stop, stop. Just one last thing just to consider in Matthew's gospel. I have probably go another hour, but I won't. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Matthew 24, 1, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, see not all these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He took that away. That offering, that system, he takes away the first. He fulfilled it. Everything that spoke of was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And he established the new. Christ as a son of his own house, whose house you are. That's the temple of God in the earth. A people joined to the Lord that is built up. Upon this rock, I will build my church. His abode, his dwelling place, his church, his temple, his tabernacle, his place of worship. And we worship him in spirit and truth. That's through him being revealed in me. That's through the spirit of God making him real in me. Yes, the only way I walk in no condemnation is Christ to be made real. Because it's in him. He feels all things in the, in the new. See, he doesn't have condemnation. He's not condemned. So then how would his body be condemned? We're his body. Anyway, I'll stop right here. We'll see how the Lord leads this next week. And may God just richly bless you. May we look at the volume of the book to see him, to see him. Glory to God. May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless your heart and your mind, richly fill your soul with himself. Glory be to God. Amen.